Our gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. Let us listen to what God is saying to us today. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. The living word of God for people living with God. Thanks be to God. How do these stories of healing sit with you? Maybe they bring you special hope and comfort. Maybe not. Maybe healing stories give you pause for one reason or another. It can be hard to wrap our minds around how a story like this could play out, especially today. It can be hard to relate these stories to our current time since we don't typically see miraculous healing play out. When it comes to stories of healing, I feel personally conflicted because while these stories carry immensely hopeful possibilities and gospel truth, they can also be used in damaging ways when interpreted with too narrow of a lens. What do these healing stories mean to someone living with a disability? or a condition with no cure in sight? How do we interpret these stories with a healthy and faithful lens? I think it's fair to have questions, but we have to figure out how to engage these texts in meaningful ways because stories of healing are an integral part of our faith and of Jesus' ministry. They're signs of God's kingdom, God's kingdom made manifest through Christ's presence on earth. We find these healing stories across the Gospels and into the book of Acts. And no two stories of healing are exactly the same. They follow a same pattern, but even when a healing story is duplicated in the Gospels, there are nuances depending on the author. But essentially, as we prepare to hear a Gospel story of healing, we can expect a few constants. Jesus encounters a person in need of healing, Jesus cures their ailment, and they are restored to their communities. In today's story of the ten lepers, or ten men with skin conditions, we can follow this general plot line. Jesus encounters a group of ten people in need of healing. They need healing both of their physical ailment and of their ostracism. They're sick and they've been pushed to the outskirts of town to fend on their own 
with little to no resources. These people are in need of Jesus, and they call out to him, and Jesus cures them. With no physical touch or ritual, Jesus cures them and sends them on their way, and they are restored, which means their pain is gone, and they get to go home. On top of that, they have the ability to, re, to be restored to their faith communities as well. They leave to go participate in the standard purification rituals of the time. There's an encounter with Jesus, there is a cure, and there is restoration. And that's the gist. But this story doesn't stop there. Truly, this story would still carry good news even if it did stop there. But there's more. After the curing, after the process of restoration has been put into place, one man comes back. Maybe he noticed the lesions on his skin were cleared. Maybe he felt it in the core of his body. Maybe he felt it in his spirit. Whatever it is, he knows he's been cured. And instead of that being the end of his story, he stops. This man, so far removed, who called to Jesus from a distance, this Samaritan, a foreigner among exiles, an outcast among outcasts, returns to the feet of Jesus. He returns to the very feet of Jesus, all barriers and decorum cast aside, and with a loud voice he praises God and thanks God for the miracle. And it's here, with Jesus, that we hear the true good news of this story. Jesus says to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. Which is crazy because we just saw that it was Jesus that cured him. It was already done. The man had already been sent on his way. So that means for this Samaritan, there was more than a cure. There is something that sets him apart from the others. There is something about his actions and his transformation that make his story different. What is it? If we make a small shift in the translation, it's easier to see. We know that faith manifest is gratitude. So what if we said, Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your gratitude has made you whole. You see, a cure and wholeness are not one and the same. Here in this story, wholeness is the end game. A change in character over a change in body. And that's what gratitude can do. Gratitude is how we manifest our faith, so the healing was not complete without gratitude. Gratitude is what makes his story different. Gratitude is what made him whole. We don't know the story of the other nine, where they might have experienced wholeness after this miracle, but it does seem to me that the other nine may have missed out when they went on their way. In this moment, missed an opportunity. Just like the one had been, they were stuck. Stuck outside the walls of the city, 
stuck within a social structure that stripped their identity and pushed them away. And even when they were cured, they weren't quite free. They were still stuck in the system that shunned them in the first place, stuck returning to participate in purification rituals before feeling fully whole. They were cured, and then they left, not yet fully healed. Restoration was possible, but not yet realized. Curing and healing are not the same thing. And healing and wholeness can happen even when curing does not. You see, wholeness is contextual. God offers everyone wholeness, regardless of their story. No need to compare my story with yours. Wholeness is something we all need and seek. And wholeness depends on our context. Life for me looks different than life for you. Healing for me looks different than healing for you. Wholeness for me looks different than wholeness for you. But the universal truth in this story is that gratitude opens our eyes and our hearts to the wholeness and healing that God offers each of us. Get up. Your faith, your gratitude has healed you and made you whole. Gratitude. There's a lot of talk about gratitude these days. The upcoming holiday aside, gratitude is very on trend right now. We've got water bottle stickers that say, choose gratitude. We've got books on practicing thankfulness. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard about the benefits of keeping a gratitude journal. We're seeing science confirm that people who practice gratitude have less depressed moods, they sleep better, they have more energy, and even show a decreased risk for heart disease. Sometimes, though, I think all of this hype makes it even easier to scoff at the so-called benefits of gratitude and to brush aside a real practice of gratitude. Not to mention the fact that gratitude surely seems too shallow of a solution to our bigger problems of violence, war, poverty, and injustice. But here's the thing. Gratitude and thanksgiving are foundational for who we are and for living into the life that God intends for us. When we get stuck in rhythms and patterns that seem out of our control, when we get stuck on an outside looking in, when we get stuck needing or wanting more, gratitude creates this living, dynamic space within us to hold the divine. A space that is transformational enough to change our trajectory. When we find ourselves far from God, calling out from a distance, seeking healing and wholeness, gratitude is what brings us to the feet, to the arms of Christ. Today is the last Sunday before we begin Advent season, and today we celebrate the reign of Christ Sunday. 
You may be wondering how any of this ties into our recognition and celebration of Christ, our King and Savior. So here it is. The reign of Christ is experienced any time that healing and wholeness become a reality. We may be tempted to think about the reign of Christ as something that has already happened, something that is yet to come, or something that we desperately seek that hasn't been realized yet. But really, the reign of Christ, the experience of wholeness, is something that God offers to each and every one of us today. What does wholeness look like for you? Where are you stuck? How can gratitude help you see the wholeness God is offering you in this moment? As individuals, we experience the reign of Christ when we can reorient to a posture of thanks and praise. As individuals with gratitude and thanksgiving, we begin to see that the reign of Christ is an ability to name and focus on what really matters to us to focus on what brings us life, on what brings us peace. The reign of Christ looks like redefined priorities. It looks like energy. It looks like freedom. It looks like love and joy. As a church, the reign of Christ looks like transformation, reforming and always being reformed. The reign of Christ looks like inclusivity and barrier-breaking, like radical hospitality grounded in gratefulness. As a community, both local and global, the reign of Christ looks like restoration, a breaking down of the systems that cast people out and cast people aside in the first place. The reign of Christ looks like relationship building and story sharing, the reign of Christ prioritizes our shared humanity. The reign of Christ is a kingdom of peace and wholeness. The reign of Christ is something we can look forward to, and it's a reality that we experience now. Gratitude is our lens to see that possibility, to see the wholeness God offers no matter what turn our story has taken. In death and in life, God offers us wholeness. It is a gift, and it is a promise of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. So with gratitude and thanksgiving, may we all hear this good news and be emboldened to share it and live it. Amen.